It's wonderful to be here this morning. What a wonderful blessing and privilege that we have to come here this morning to worship to God, worship God, to, to sing together, to pray together, and to remember Christ Jesus and His sacrifice for us. We thank you for being here. If you're joining us in Zoom, we, we thank you for joining us. It's my prayer also, every time that I preach, uh, that I have a calm mind and that I do remember uh, those things that I've, that I've studied and that I'll be able to uh, relay those things to you in a, in a way that you can understand and that you, we can all be strengthened as I know that the study has strengthened me. So I thank you for being here this morning. <clears throat> Since the love of God has shed priceless blessings on my head, I have made it my own that it never may depart. And it shall rule there alone. Appreciate very much the song this morning. How deep the Father's love is for us. Is it your own? Have you made it your own? Have you hid it in your heart that it never may depart? Is it always there? And does it drive us? My purpose this morning of the lesson, I hope, is that it's very strengthening, that it's upbuilding, that it reminds us how loved we are. You know, sometimes we can feel unloved. Sometimes this life can be hard and we wonder who is on our side. God is on our side. He loves us dearly. In a little bit, we're going to focus on Christ and His sacrifice. And what a wonderful blessing that we have in Christ. It's because of God's love that He went to that cross and died for us. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. What wonderful love that God has for us. And He so loved the world. I want to focus for a little bit this morning at the beginning of the lesson of that world. That world that Jesus was given for. Romans 3, verses 9 and 10 says, What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. No, not one, not one is righteous. Paul had preached the beginning of this Roman letter, the first couple of chapters we can look, and, and how he's shown that the Jews are guilty of sin, the Gentiles are guilty of sin. All are guilty of sin. There is none righteous, no, not one. And we certainly, without the blood of Christ, stand in that same place of unrighteousness. Not one. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, it hurts us when we fall short of something. When we have a goal that we have set for ourselves and we want to reach that goal, sometimes we fall short. 
Sometimes people have expectations for us. And they expect us to do a certain thing and be at a certain level and perform in a certain way and we fall short and we don't want to do that. But the ultimate in goals, the ultimate of what we want to do is to serve God. To be holy. To not sin. But the truth of the matter is, is we fall short. There's none righteous. No, not one. Galatians, the third chapter, beginning in verse 22. says, But the Scripture has confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Confined here means enclosed. Enclosed, enclosed under sin. If you're being enclosed in something where everything's just, you're completely surrounded in a small space and it doesn't feel good, it's uncomfortable. That's the word here. All enclosed under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. This world that he was given for needs a realization that they're not righteous. They're under, they're under sin. They're guilty. And the sentence of, of that sin is death. And that's what we deserve. But then the promise of Jesus Christ might be given. That law brings us to Christ. It was the Jews under the old law, the law of Christ, the, the scriptures that we live under now. We see what we know what God expects of us. And we see those things, we know those things we should do, we know those things we shouldn't do, and the truth of the matter is, we fall short. We have a terrible time reaching that goal, reaching that, doing exactly what we're told. But thanks be to God, we do have Jesus, and that He so loved that world. Romans 5.8, But God demonstrates His own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The verses before this describes us as ungodly. You know, there's a lot of things that I don't want to be described as. Ungodly would strike the most fear in my heart. Yet that's what we're described as without Christ. Christ dying on the cross was not based on anybody deserving it. We didn't deserve it. He didn't die trying to save a friend or some things that we, that we know, you know, honorable people, you know, do sometimes. That they're willing for, for some righteous person to, you know, to, to give their life. Christ went to the cross for those that completely did not deserve him going to the cross for them. We don't deserve Christ going to the cross for us. But that's exactly what he did. In Ephesians, the second chapter, in verse 4, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, that's what we need, isn't it? 
because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved through. By grace you have been saved. You know, we're our spiritual selves are in one of two two states. We're either dead in trespasses or we're alive again in Christ. Alive again. What an awful thought to be spiritually dead. The spiritually dead person needs to be made alive in Christ. Otherwise, there's only a dreadful fear of judgment, a dreadful fear of eternity. And we don't have those blessings, that security that we have in Christ. We're spiritually dead. And that's who Christ died for. That's the world that He died for. And that's the world that God so loves. Colossians, the second chapter, beginning in verse 12. It says, Buried with Him in baptism, in which you also were raised from Him, with Him, through faith in the working of God who raised Him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He has made alive together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which are contrary to us, and He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. The Jews had an old law that they, they couldn't keep. It was impossible. And even us today, we have, as we mentioned well ago, we, we, we fail. We just fall short. But when we become Christians, when we are buried with Him in baptism, we're raised with Him through faith in the working of God who raised Christ. And being dead... Before that gospel, before we obey the gospel of Christ, that's exactly what we are. We are, we are dead in trespasses. But if we've been buried with Christ in baptism, He has made us alive again. Spiritually alive. And what does that translate to? What does that come from? Having forgiven you all trespasses. When we're forgiven our trespasses, we're spiritually alive in Christ. What a blessing that is. Because without Him, without God's love, we're spiritually dead with no hope and fear of eternity. But with it, we're full of hope. We have the Creator of all things that so loved the world, a sinful world, not deserving of it. He loves us so much. He loves us so much that He gave His only begotten Son. His only begotten Son. Jesus was His Son and He loved Him. You know, those of us that are 
that have children. I think we, we can gain maybe just a little bit of the appreciation that God had for His Son. In Matthew, the third chapter, we can read about how Jesus came to John and uh, John baptized him in the river of Jordan. After that baptism, uh, heavens were opened up and the Spirit of God came like a dove and, and lied upon him. And then we can read verse 17, And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. God was well pleased with Jesus. Yet He gave Him anyway. You know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of times that I remember being well pleased with my children. You know, those of you with young, with, with young, young kids, and as you're, you know, if, if you're teaching them up in the nurture and admonition of the world, there's going to come an admonition of the Lord you know, they're learning those things. And when they're born, when they're little, you know, it's all about self. That's all they know. I want to be happy and I want to feel good and I want whatever, I, I want you to give me whatever I need to, to feel good and so I can have what I want. But then as we teach them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, they learn, don't they? And there's a time when our children will do what they're supposed to do just because it's right. Because they know it's right. And they get that intrinsic motivation, that motivation within that, you know, it feels good to do right. And rather than thinking about, thinking about self all the time, they begin to think about other people. And they, do, and they show kindness towards other people. And we as parents see that. What... What a wonderful feeling and thing to see as a parent. And we're well pleased with our children. Try to multiply that by infinity, I guess. God was well pleased with His Son. Because Christ was perfect. Christ had done everything that He was asked to do. God was well pleased with the Son that He gave. In Hebrews, the fourth chapter, beginning in verse 14, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin without sin. There's been times when I've been pleased with my children and there's been a lot of times when I wasn't. Christ was always doing what was right. He was without sin. But, He was tempted in all points as we are. You don't think about the temptation. I can think about the temptation that, that I've just faced in the last week. I'm constantly tempta tempted. And sometimes I fail. I give in to that temptation. 
Christ experienced that same temptation and so much more. Any kind of temptation or difficulty that I face, Christ has been there. Yet unlike me, He is victorious over it each and every time. But God gave Him. He gave Him. To an undeserving world, He gave Him. Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter. It says, For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. You see, there has to be penalty for sin. God is a just God. He demands justice. There had to be... The debt of sin had to be paid. It can't just go unpaid. Christ knew no sin. But He made Him to be sin for us. Christ was righteous. We're not without Christ. Yet He had to become sin so that we could become righteous. He had to pay the world for my shortcomings, for my sin, for my failures. That's the world that He came and God gave us His Son because of those sins. In Romans the 8th chapter, beginning in verse 31, it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? God spared nothing for us, but delivered Him up for us all. You know, I can't understand that. I can't. I have two children, Stephen and Lindy. You know, and then if I turn on the news and I see the wickedness in the world, I see people just doing just so much violence to innocent, sometimes people that they don't even know just for violence and hate sake, they do these things. Yet I try to get some kind of understanding. Could I give my son, Stephen, for them? I'm going to let my son, Stephen, pay a debt for their sins, so that they can just be free of sin, walk, no penalty. I'm going to let my son be arrested, beaten, spit on, made fun of, stripped of his clothes, whipped, crown of thorns on his head, pressed into his scalp, and then beaten and bloody, do the best he can to carry a cross up on the hill and to be nailed to that cross and left there to suffer. 
hanging by his wounds, slowly suffocating. I can't imagine. I, I, I can't understand it. I can't fathom that. I couldn't do that. But Jesus was flawless without sin so that He could become that sacrifice. So that He could go through all that and pay that penalty, become sin, and pay that debt of sin that none of us could, other, could ever otherwise pay for. Think about debt a minute. You know, we can understand debt. Most of us probably have some. You know, if you get, you know, a certain age, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to make a living for your family and, you know, you've bought a house and trying to pay, make a house payment and you're probably trying to pay for a car and uh, whatever else that, you, that you've got and maybe trying to pay for old college debts and whatever it is. Imagine someone coming to you and just saying, you know, I, just, because, just because I love you, just because I love you, I'm going to pay off all your debt. I'm going to pay it all off. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Can you imagine the blessing that would be? The sense of relief that we would have, that we have absolutely no debt. All that's just been washed away and paid for. And not only that, that person says, Anything in the future, any debt that you have in the future, I'll just pay for it. Now again, multiply that by infinity again and consider the spiritual applications of that. The spiritual debt, the debt of sin that we owe. And we can't, can't make payments on it, and we can't ever pay for it. We're just guilty. We're deserving of not paying our debt, which is death. He did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us. How shall He not freely give us all things? What love... How deep the Father's love for us. He gave us His Son. Back to John 3.16, we're going to add verse 17 to it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. What a wonderful blessing we have to have the love of God. A love for a world not deserving of it that He gave us His Son. God also shows His love towards us and that we can be His children. 1 John 1, I'm sorry, 1 John 3 and verse 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. The 
Behold what manner. In other words, look at it. Try to understand it. Comprehend it. Meditate on it. Try to have some kind of understanding of how much God loves us, what He's given to us, that we should be called the children of God. Not only did He send Jesus to die for us, not only can we be made spiritually alive in Jesus and have the forgiveness of sins, He loves us so much, but not only that, He's going to bring us in into a close relationship with Him that we can be called His children. Folks, He's the Creator of all things. All powerful. The only one that can destroy both soul and body in hell. Yet He loves us, His creation, as little as we are in the scheme of things we, we see them in our own eyes, that we can be His children. What a blessing. Behold what manner. We can go to Him and we can call Him Father. To be able to pray, Our Father who is in heaven. He is in heaven and He is in control of all things and He created all things and we can go to Him and we can pray to our Father. In Romans the 8th chapter, beginning in verse 14, it says, For as many of you as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and of children than heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. The previous verse, I don't have it there, but it says, Through the, through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body. If we mortify the deeds of the body, we obey God, we obey His Word, rather than obey our sinful flesh. We're led by the Spirit. We receive nourishment and guidance by the Spirit through God's Word. And we are His children. Not slaves, not slaves, slaves to the law, not slaves to, to rules that we can't keep and just guilty, but by our obeying the gospel, we have been adopted. Not an only begotten son but like Jesus, but we've been adopted. God chose us to be His children by our obedience to the gospel and an opportunity to cry to our Father, Abba, Father. My understanding, Abba, Abba is just a, a, a close relationship name that you would call to your father. Maybe something like Daddy that, that we would use here to signify that, that trust, that loving, that close relationship that we have with our Father. We can do that to God because He loves us so much. And not only that, not only are we called His children, but we are heirs 
you know, one of these days, time continues, if we're given more time, and I die, the vast settler fortune, maybe a couple of fishing poles and a tackle box, you know, going to go to my children because they're heirs. Folks, we are heirs of God as His children to an inheritance. John 14 and verse 1 of my all-time favorite scriptures. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. This scripture gives me so much comfort. Because Christ is gone, and He's preparing a place for me. He's preparing my inheritance that I don't deserve. But He's gone to prepare it. And He's going to come back. And if we die before that time, we're going to be raised and we're going to meet, meet Him in the air. Those that are alive will be joined and we're going to get to spend eternity Enjoying that wonderful inheritance, that place that Christ has gone to prepare. 1 Peter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a, light, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have this lively hope, this hope, this living hope that's in us that the world doesn't have. Because we know that Christ is gone and He has, and He's gone to prepare us that place. And we're not spiritually dead. We've been made alive in Christ. And because of that, we have this hope. And being an heir, verse 4, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Whatever my kids get from me, it might give some temporary help and they're going to spend it or enjoy it or sell it or it's going to be rusted or destroyed by moths or washed away or burned. or Not the inheritance we have from God. Not the inheritance that Christ has gone to prepare for us. That's inheritance that lasts forever. It's never going to fade away. And it's reserved. It's mine and it's yours as His children. What a blessing it is. Galatians, the third chapter, beginning in verse 24. It says, Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ, and if you are Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. By our obedience to the gospel through baptism, we become His children and His heirs, and we can call Him Father. Being children... 
We should be a peculiar people. We need to be different. We are called pilgrims and sojourners. We don't belong here. But we need to shine as lights in that world so that they'll see Christ living in us. So they'll see the hope that we have because of the love of God. Philippians 2 and verse 14 says, Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God. That's how we need to behave ourselves as children, as heirs. Blameless and harmless. And if we do that, we are going to stick out. Christ is going to shine in our lives in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom He shine as lights in the world. God loves us so much, can we not live for Him? I get so frustrated with myself. He loves me so much, I am so loved. Do I have to keep making the same mistakes? Do I have to have, keep on the same failures? It's a constant struggle. Spirit versus the flesh. It's one we're always going to have to struggle with. We need to come, I need to come to some kind of, of understanding of how much God loves me and let that drive me. Let it drive every decision. Let it drive what I do. Let it drive what I say. Let it drive what I think. Let it be on my mind so that I can shine. Ephesians 5.1 says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. We need to act like our Father. We need to imitate Him. We need to do our best to live holy lives that the world will see shining. Not to bring glory to ourselves, but always to bring glory to Him. Matthew, the sixth chapter, verse 32 says, For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. We remember this scripture, how Christ has told him, you know, don't, don't worry. You know, look at the birds. The birds are taken care of. You know, reminded just this weekend, boy, the cranes of Sandhill cranes have came in and they're coming back to their same old spot, same old fields to feed on their migration. This instinct that God gives them to take care of them, to do their thing. And we worry about so much. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is the trouble, is its own trouble. We have a Father that loves us so much, and we're His children. He's going to take care of us. He takes care of the birds. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins and not one of them is forgotten before God? We are never forgotten. He gave us His Son for us. The very hairs on your head are numbered. Do not fear, therefore. We should never be living in fear of the things of this life and especially life after here because our Father, the Creator of all things, is controlled and He loves us and He gave Jesus for us. And if we've obeyed the gospel and we've become His children and we have that forgiveness of sins and we've been made alive in Christ, there is no need to fear. 
And we don't need to live in it. My child has been taken care of by his parents and is raised up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Grow up to love their parents. How much more shall we love God and what He has done for us? Matthew 22 and verse 35. It says, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. He loves us so much, we need to love Him. That's what He desires of us, is to love Him. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9 says, It's written, Eye has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love Him. He's prepared great things for those that He loves. And we know that He loves us. We've been reminded of that tonight. We can't understand it. But we need to be full of hope because of it. I have a reading here in 1 John, the fourth chapter. And I've bulleted the highlights here, but I'm going to go ahead and read this, beginning in verse 7. Beloved, let us not love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God has been manifested toward us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. And we have known and believed that the love that God has for us. God is love and He who abides in love abides in God and God in Him. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love Him because He first loved us. If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he, for he who does not love his brother from whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? In this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. God is love. God's love was shown to us by sending Jesus Christ to a sinful world not deserving of it. But he sent him anyway. Since God loves us, we need to love one another. That's how we love. That's how we show our love towards God. If we love, then God abides in us. And it's going to be seen by the love, the actions that we show, the kindness, the forgiveness that we have for other people. And as we grow spiritually, and we grow in this love, and this love of God and for God, a mature love means that there's no fear of judgment. What a blessing that that is. If we loved God, 
we will love one another. 1 John 3, verse 16. It says, By this we know love, because He laid down His life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word and tongue, but in deed and in truth. Let's try to come to some kind of understanding God, help me to have some kind of understanding of how much you love me so that I can love other people, so that I can learn to love other people, to not think about myself, but put others first. Not just tongue, but the things that I do that I show my love for God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God, the Creator, loves us. He loves us so much that He sent Jesus. And He gave us a way to be righteous when there is no righteousness in us. By sending His Son Jesus to become sin for us and be that perfect sacrifice for sin. Our obedience to the gospel allows that sacrifice to take place for us so that we can be free from sin. All that debt of sin in the past, whatever sin we commit in the future, as we mature spiritually, as we grow, the blood of Christ continues to cleanse us because we're His children and He loves us. If you've been taught the gospel and you have an understanding of that and what Jesus can do for you, if you've never become His child, we invite you to do that this morning. You can come forward and you can confess Christ before this audience and you can be buried with Him by baptism and know that you're His child and you're forgiven. Maybe you've done that and you've uh, had trouble along the way and maybe forgotten how much love God, God loves us and we haven't loved like we should and you'd like some help with that, you'd like for us to pray for you, any other need that you'd like, and you'd like the church to pray for you, we'd ask you to come as we stand and sing.